0: Welcome to 10-Minute Money. I'm John Dyer, and as always, I'm joined by Paul Erickson. Hey, John. Paul and I are financial advisors with Royal Oak Financial Advisors in Royal Oak, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest on the show. Jim Westwood from Alpha Asset Advisors
1: will be joining us to talk about how taxes can affect your portfolio. Jim is one of the leading up-and-coming minds in our industry when it comes to taxes, and I'm really thrilled about this show because I've known Jim 20 years now, and I do think he's one of the the best advisors I've seen when it comes to working with taxes and investments. So why don't we just get the basics
0: out of the way first? So there are three buckets of money um, that we classify um, uh money in from a tax standpoint uh taxable which are uh, which is also known as non-qualified or after tax money um the this bucket of money is is like your checking account right so that's what i tell people but you can have investments in these type accounts so yeah you have
1: access to it there's no rules or regulations right pretty liquid
0: yeah so like if you you people get confused um but uh They think that if they have their money in one of these accounts at um, like a Merrill Lynch or or something and have investments in it, it's different from a bank account. But it's pretty much the same thing. It's just um, the way it's taxed uh, is a little uh, different um, than an IRA account and a Roth account. So the way it's taxed is if you uh, have let's say you have ten thousand dollars and and you put it in uh in an investment and it grows to fifteen thousand dollars you're only taxed on the gains
1: right on the five thousand dollars <throat> you gained
0: yeah on the five thousand you gained in this example and you're gained at a or you're taxed at a different rate you're taxed at the capital gains rate right which um there's there's three different brackets to that but uh, some people may not even pay taxes on their on their gains if they're in a low enough tax bracket. Right, right. So, um, so that's a taxable account. Um, and the other thing too is a lot of people have like their own E-Trade accounts or like Robinhood and that kind of thing. Typically, those are going to be you're going to have those in a in a taxable account. And the one thing to watch out for if you sell within the first year. Um, if you buy something and sell it within a year, it's called short term capital gains. You're going to pay a little higher taxes. So when you, when you're out there buying and selling, you know, doing your own, uh, buying and selling, uh, if you're working with a lot of money, just be aware that you could, uh, incur uh, a lot of gains, which is a good thing. I mean, if you're gaining money on assets, it's not a bad thing. If you, if you buy some stocks that appreciate, but just something to keep in mind. Uh, the other taxable bucket would be uh, what we call a qualified bucket of money, and um, this is pre-tax money. So any money from your uh, from your paycheck that goes into your 401k right. would be considered uh, pr- qualified or pre-tax. Um, 403bs, yeah. SEPs, Simples your IRA money is is in yeah, this bucket.
1: Right. The IRS is going to want some money from you at some point.
0: Yeah, so they they let you grow the money tax deferred. Yeah. Um, it grows th- through your lifetime. You, you'd never if, if you take it if you take money out of this bucket before 59 and a half, the whole portion is taxed at your Whatever your income rate is, plus a 10% tax penalty. And then if you're over 59.5, they waive the 10% tax penalty and you're just taxed at your income rate. And then when you hit 70.5, the government's never got their cut of your taxes. So they say, well, now you have to start taking money out of your account. So they force you to take what's called a rmd or required minimum distribution at age 70 and a half right so um anything else on the iras
1: no i think that's the basics of it is the i i tell people think of an ira or a 401k 403b is you're just deferring the tax for a while at some point you'll have to pay income tax on it but it's a great vehicle To save money tax-deferred, a trust or a brokerage account or a checking account, that's taxable as as you go. Uh, You've already paid the tax on that money. You just get taxed on the gains in there.
0: Right, right. Something to uh, back up about, too. With the taxable account, you might have mutual funds that you've bought. Right. And the mutual fund manager is buying and selling within that mutual fund. So you may have to incur gains at year end uh from their trading which you had nothing to do with right so that's something to and keep in, in
1: 2008 mind. there was even a down year and because of all the trading that happened a lot of those mutual fund managers had to pay i mean there was a lot of expenses and you know you didn't really get gains your account was down right and every now and then that happens which is frustrating
0: and, um, and there are, and there are also what's known as carry forward losses, which we saw a lot of in 2000, uh, 2008, yeah. where you can only carry for, you can only write off so much for the current year and you can carry forward losses, right uh, for years following. Um, and, and uh, every now and again, your advisor may call you and say, we want to make some trades right at the year end to take advantage of some losses. If the market's down last year was a good year for that. And at the end of 2018, we, we had one of the worst months in market history. So a lot of, a lot of things you may have bought during the year went down. So you could take advantage. December
1: 18. Yeah. Almost
0: 20%. Yeah. It was really, uh, a bad month. So, uh, so that's the, that that's, that's, again, that's taxable. So we talked about taxable pre-tax, uh, which was the, um, IRA, 401k. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other, the other thing to keep in mind, I always get, um, people get confused with the IRAs. If you, you can make contributions to your IRA, um, and you're using after tax money, but the government, uh, at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, they treat that like it was pre-tax. So you actually drop down, uh, in your income bracket with that. that People, people get confused by that because it's after tax money that they're using to put in the IRA. Right. So, um, and then, um, there's what's called a Roth account, which Jim is going to talk to us a little bit more about. Uh, the Roth account, uh, is, is acts like, uh, the qualified account. You put, you can put money into it. Um, there's limits, uh, on what you can put into all IRA accounts and Roth accounts. Um, uh, the Roth, there's also Roth 401ks now, which are part of your, um, uh, part of your 401k. And, uh, one thing with the Roth is when you get to a high income bracket, they phase you out. So you don't, you can't contribute to a Roth if you're, I think it's like over 190,000 income a year or something like that for married couples. So, um the Roth accounts they'll phase you out, but with the Roth 401k there is no income limit. You can so if you have a Roth in your 401k and you're making a lot of money, you can add to the Roth account. That's a
1: good point. Yeah.
0: Um, the other the other uh type of Roth is uh, just your traditional Roth contributory account, which you can open up and contribute to the nice thing about Roth accounts is so there are a couple rules with them. Number one, they have to be open for five years um, after five years, you can take out the principal um, if you take out the the gains in that account if you're under fifty nine and a half you get hit with the ten percent tax penalty just like you would with the qualified account. John, the,
2: the, some of the, the, the quirks about the Roth distributions have to do with uh, when the money was put in there and when it's taken out. So I think a lot of advisors will tell people to the, that the Roth is totally tax-free and, and free of, uh, of any penalties on distributions, but there's some really quirky rules that go along with that, and you need to be careful. It's a little lengthy for this discussion... But if people want to know more about it, they can reach out to us and we can share it with them. But, one
1: that I, I, you mentioned was the five-year rule. There's two five-year rules. Two, so explain the first one. Well, the first one has to do with uh, when you first
2: open the account and put money into it. Right. You must It must be in there for five years before you can take out the money penalty-free. Penalty-free. Now, apart from what you, distrib- you put into it, there's the future earnings that it has. That pertains to the second five-year rule and and how old you were when you put it in and when you take it out.
1: So it gets... Let's say you were 50 years old. Yep. Yeah. And you open a Roth. Right. And now you're 55 years old in one day. Right. Can I take all that money out tax-free? You can take out what your contribution was. So if I only put in $10,000... And the right. accounts were twenty thousand, right? I can only take out the ten thousand dollars,
2: right? And, and any of the growth would, if the growth occurred in year two or year three that you had it, that has another five year period. Yeah, that's now, a good if point. If you took it out at, mm. at, at fifty five, yeah, you can you can take it out, but there's going to be a ten percent penalty. There's not going to be any tax,
1: but, but the ten percent a- penalty is only on that growth. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's a very So it gets very real sticky. Yeah. You got to be careful with it that. It gets
2: real sticky cuz
1: there's two different sections you got to be aware of. Right. But anyway, I love Roth conversions for some people. It's been a great strategy.
2: They they can have some really strong implications for for example, if you if you have a Roth uh, that's highly appreciated and let's say you're going to give it to your kids. A lot, of, uh, a lot of people will see that, will con- do the Roth conversion from the regular IRA to a Roth because their kids are in higher tax brackets. And so th- these assets are going to go to their kids. Yeah. Right? Right. And so do the conversion out of your IRA because if your kids get your IRA, they're going to pay taxes at their marginal rate. Yeah. So do the conversion and the kids will pay no taxes. So... so-
0: so what, how, how explain to us how a Roth conversion works? because I think a lot of people have heard of it, but they don't know how it works. So what do you do with a Roth conversion? Well,
2: basically what you're doing is you're, you're, you're taking a, a lump sum distribution. You, it could be a part of your Roth, I mean part of your IRA uh, or the whole thing. So what you're doing is you're taking a 100 percent, 50 percent distribution, you pay the IRS the required taxes. You convert it into uh, the Roth, and now it has all the tax free benefits that the Roth offers. So
0: uh, let's just say
1: I had $100,000 in a traditional IRA. Right. And I wanted to roll all of it to a Roth, and I'm in the 25% tax bracket. Yeah. How much am I going to pay to the feds? 25%. $25, $25,000.
2: Yeah. And you roll 75, now that has the potential to grow tax-free okay. for you and
0: your children. Okay. And, and you don't have to be 59 and a half right? No. So so you don't have to incur. It's a way to take a distribution without paying the tax penalty if you're under 59 and a half right? right.
1: In my mind, you're kind of paying Uncle Sam early.
0: You're paying <clears throat> him early.
1: Uh, I've
2: seen advisors tell people that they are uh, ahead of... Um, of the game to do that. The, the reality is, uh, if, you do, if you compare the future value and the after-tax value of an IRA to a Roth IRA, uh, assuming the same rate of return and the same tax rate over that period of time, you'll end up with the same money in your pocket. So although there's some extenuating reasons to do the conversions, and if you happen to hate the IRS, like a lot of people do, uh, it can make some sense, but yeah. as far as what you'll end up with at the end of the day in your pocket doesn't matter.
0: So we love doing these type of strategies when the market's way down. Yep, your IRAs down like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You heard it a lot. Your 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 accounts have been cut in half. Now they're already down. Why not? They're going to come back. Why not take a portion and put and convert it into a Roth, which which uh, Paul and Jim have both done with um, yeah, clients, right. and, that, and they've really reaped some great benefits.
1: Because well, that growth, if, after, if you're in the middle of a bear market, it's not fun, but you can make some good decisions. Like you said, if, you, if the account value is cut in half, and now you're converting that to the Roth, essentially you're paying the IRS half of the taxes that you would have paid the year before.
0: Right, so yeah. you're getting a break. Right. The other the other time too is I guess if you, you're you might be in between jobs or something, and you may have a lower income for the year, um, mm-hmm. lower Paid tax lower bracket. You might conversion. be, or you've, you've just retired. Yeah. And you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, maybe the following year. Maybe a uh, you. We do it with some retirees over yeah. a five year period when they've just retired. Right. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah, we've done
1: it with people before they start taking Social Security. Maybe they did, uh, like, if they're slowing down or going from full-time to part-time, their income's lower, and we've converted people at that point, you know, in their early 60s, which has worked out. They like that strategy. Just have a little bit in tax-free bucket. Right. All right. Well, I'd like to try to segue to the next topic here, which is something that I – I believe this could be the first podcast on this topic. I think God. so, too. It really I could know. be. And this is a topic that uh, Jim Westwood has uh, published in articles and magazines and, and 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 has had a lot of success with some clients on and has really made a huge impact on a lot of clients, saved them a ton of money in taxes. But it is an NUA, which, Jim, do you want to yeah. explain what that? Yeah. It,
2: means. Uh, NUA stands for net
1: unrealized appreciation,
2: and this this applies not to a wide spread of people, but uh, it applies to people who have um, uh, uh, 401k plans at their at their work where they where they work, and they have accumulated a large amount of uh, what should be. Uh, in the best cases, highly appreciated employer stock. So, for example, let's say you work for General Motors, you're an executive, and you have uh, been putting in company stock into your 401k plan. There's a section of the IRS code um, that allows for this NUA to occur, and essentially what it allows you to do is to take a distribution of the actual shares of the stock and take them out of the 401k. Now, it's important to know that you can't do this from an IRA. It's got to to occur while the assets are still in the 401k. So the shares can be distributed, and the tax on that distribution is calculated on the original cost basis. So let's say you had, let's say, for example, the value of your employer stock in your plan was a million dollars. And let's say you paid a half a million for it. That was what you originally paid for the stock. So when the distribution occurs, you owe income tax on only the original cost basis. Uh, the balance of the, 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 the other $500,000, which has been the appreciation, is uh, untaxed as long as you hold the shares. Uh, once, if you were to sell the shares at that point, The first tax advantage is that the tax on that earned 500, that appreciated 500 grand, is at long-term capital gain rate, which for most people is less than their marginal tax rate. So, assuming that you that you did the distribution uh, and sold the shares, you would save on the tax between your marginal rate and the long-term capital gain rate. Further appreciation of the stock goes untaxed until it is sold. We use this strategy um, for people that will eventually be uh, sending this stock onto their children. So in this example, let's say that that million dollars of stock that you took out of there grew to be five uh, a million five and, and it's passed on to your children. Your children will pay zero tax on the appreciated amount of 500,000 when it went from 1 million to 1.5 million. So there's zero tax on that. Now if you think about that and you put you go back into your 401k and you didn't do the distribution, your original cost basis would have been 500,000, the value at the sale could potentially or when you take the money out of your 401k could be 1.5 million. Now, you owe tax on $1.5 million. So you've got a lot At
1: your of, income rate.
2: At your income rate, right. Not the long-term capital gain rate. So th- there's some really compelling stra- uh, tax implications for people that have this situation.
1: Now, what if they weren't planning to give it to their kids? Is well, it still worth doing? Uh,
2: yes, it is. Um, one of the major risks... That occurs in owning uh, a concentrated position of an employer stock or any stock for that matter um, is the risk of that stock going down in value. Yeah. So, for some people um, who decide that yes, uh, the risk is too high, there are uh, ways to diversify out of those shares right without selling them. And so it sounds too good to be true. What you can do is actually um, uh, exchange uh, your employer shares for a basket of diversified shares and, and, and uh, incur zero tax in the transaction. So there's some really, really interesting strategies that you can do. Um,
1: yeah, uh, but in complex, essence, yeah, in, in essence, so someone who has worked for a company and acquired. Employer stock can really save a ton of money on taxes by by this anyway strategy. Yeah, yes, it can. And number number one, it needs to be in a four hundred one k. Yeah, it yes, has to be appreciated stock. Well, yeah, that's where it's most effective because you That's where it's most
2: effective. you you're, you're not paying taxes on the appreciation of it. Yeah. Um, so.
0: What about what if it's in an ESOP plan? Is that the same?
2: It it, it can be, yes, it can be.
0: Okay, depending on the type of ESOP.
2: Options typically are not.
1: uh, Yeah, those are taxed. Those are outside. Yeah, and
0: options Options are are taxable, so it's got to be in a in a what we were talking about earlier, a qualified account. Right. So most most advisors in our industry won't even touch this. They're just gonna if you have a large portion of stock in your four hundred one k, they're gonna want you to roll it over and then they're gonna sell it. Um. Right. So we're one of the only people that do this strategy. So I would say call us if you do have, um, if you do have a four hundred and one k with a lot of company stock, a large portion of company stock in it. Yeah, uh, and I,
2: I think John, to just if they do or they know somebody that does and they have questions about it, call us. We'll we'll, we'll tell you what we know. We'll tell you right. what what your options are. Right. right.
0: <laughs> get me, get uh expert advice and make a sound decision, uh, on, on that. It is, it's very complicated. Uh, the last thing, uh, I wanted to touch on today was, um, insurance strategies. So a lot of advisors will, uh, sell you on a life insurance policy. Uh, usually it's a variable life insurance policy and, um, to, to take part of your taxable estate and make it non-taxable for your heir, heirs, people that are going to inherit your, your money. Uh, just high-level view on this strategy. Uh, I, I don't recommend this strategy unless you have a really large estate, like a mega-large estate where you're going to have...
1: Like a million or five million or more?
0: Probably more than five million. Wow!
2: No, well, it's going to be. It's funny that the the the, um, the estate tax laws are, are, are really a moving target. Um, when I got into business years ago, uh, I think the estate tax level, um, the amount that was exempt from estate taxes, was six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Today, uh, for a married couple. It's twenty million.
0: Twenty million. Okay, so twenty million. Yeah. So more than five.
1: More than five. Ten million so per person.
0: Ten million per person. Yeah. So I. W- yeah. So more. So twenty million dollars. Ten well, to can, twenty million. So you can
2: take. You you, you can give twenty million dollars to your heirs, and not owe any estate taxes. So um, life insurance, if I can, for a, a second used to be a very effective way um, for covering the state tax for people that had particularly people that were like farmers and had illiquid assets I mean uh, or own companies and uh, things that were illiquid that such that they would their children would be forced into what they call a fire sale to be able to afford to pay the taxes okay but now, um, with the exemption so high it it doesn't it doesn't really affect that many people anymore so insurance as a tool to to pay for estate taxes uh, is much less significant today than it used to be
0: so if you are being sold a some sort of insurance policy uh, for these purposes and you have less than 20 million dollars and it's i don't i don't I don't know if, if it's in your best interest. So, uh, just keep that in mind um, when when you're uh, when when you're looking to invest your money and pass it on to your heirs. So, so that is it. Does anyone have anything else? No, we're good. So, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, keep in mind, this podcast is for educational purposes only. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining John Dyer and Paul Erickson on this 10-Minute Money podcast. John and Paul are financial advisors with Royal Oak Financial Advisors in Michigan, a fee-only RIA who specialize in helping their clients better understand their investments. If you watch the pennies, the dollars will come.